Isn't it lovely to see the warmer days and sunshine? Spring is in the air. Wattle in bloom. Yeah? Daffodils out. <laughs> yeah? And also the lovely blossoms are coming out too in some places. So it's just a great time of the year. Spring. And what I like about spring is uh, it's a time of growth. Uh, growing. And we're going to grow our plants, our gardens, our veggies, you know, whatever it is. And I look forward to that. I love it. Because that's the time I go around the garden and have a look. And, you know, I get excited just to see a new leaf coming out, or a new life coming out. It's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful to see growth happen. And uh, just like spring in, in, the, in the garden, uh, we would also like to see growth in our own lives. That spring would be. Uh, you know, we would have more seasons of spring than winters uh, in our own spiritual life. Because God wants us to grow in him and to know him and to have an intimate relationship with him by which we can then be a part of what he has for each one of us. And we would produ produce the beauty uh, that is in him in our own lives as well as bringing uh, fruitfulness and a harvest that is also produced by the growth that brings, he brings through us and in each one of us. So with that thought in mind, I'm going to bring our message. So let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that, Lord, you speak through nat nature. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, you just speak to us as we look around us. You see, we see your beauty. We see your uh, pattern. You see your purpose. You see your plan in life, oh God. So much that we have to learn so. Father God, even as we look at your word this morning, Father, Lord, I just pray that you would take these words and Lord, that you would bless it into our hearts, oh God. That Father, that we will hear what your spirit is saying to us, oh God. It's not me, oh God. I pray that it would be something of you that will resonate into the hearts of of, um, all the ch people here, your children, oh God, and Lord, that you would take it and that you would use it and you would multiply it and you would uh, plant seeds and Lord, you would grow grow beauty out of that, oh God, so that there is fruitfulness and a great harvest in each one here, oh God. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, so I'm going to talk to you about just um, being enriched in your soul so that you will grow and bring a harvest and uh, you would know that. And the key is prayer. And I think Dan took it all away from me. Uh, where it was great, but you know, it's just a confirmation that you know this is what God wants to speak to us about. So that's okay, Dan. I forgive you. <laughs> uh, so uh, Psalm 90 and verse 1. Lord, through all generations, you have been our home or our dwelling place. Some, uh, some of the um, in other in NIV says that you have been our home. You have been our dwelling place, says the psalmist. So, at the end of a hard day, doesn't it feel good to come home to a place that you know, where you kick off your shoes, get into your trackies and your PJs? <laughs> all your pages, and not worry about who's looking or what's happening. We just feel so free. You know, God wants us to be at home in his presence as well. And he, and he wants us to be aware of his nearness to us at all times. God is near to us all time. God wants us to see him as, in, as 
someone in whom we live and move and have our being. Just like home, God's presence can become equally comfortable. Equally comfortable to us. And, that, and as with time, we learn to go into his presence all the time. And for strength, for guidance, for protection, you know, he is there. Whatever we need, whatever we want, you know, whoever we want to talk to about or what, what our situation is, we can be comfortable with God in his presence. So when God led the children of Israel through the wilderness, you know, he didn't show up just once and then disappear. No. The pillar of, of, of fire was present with them all night, and the cloud was, of smoke was present with them all day. God never leaves us. Jesus promised, I am with you always. I will be with you always, he said. In Psalm 27 and verse 4, the psalmist said, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I ask most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Isn't that great to be living, you know, in the house of the Lord, just praising and worshiping and being together, you know, and that's the beauty. You know, we just would love to be in that situation all, all the time. Is that your prayer too? Is that what you say? Lord, I want to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Well, it's nice to think that and it's nice to be able to do that. But we are living in the real world, hey? So we, we have to get up, we've got to go to work, we've got children to feed, we've got, you know, cooking, clothes, washing, cleaning, you know, what every day chores. You know, there's so much that we, are, we have to fill in, in a day. But can I just say something to you? That we are just one decision away from the Father's presence. Just one, just a decision away from the Father's presence. So you don't have to change your address. You don't have to go looking for a church to find the presence of the Lord. It's just your perception. Wherever you go, remind yourself, he is with me. Whatever you're facing, remind yourself, God, you are here. God, you are with me. So in the, in the Bible, we see there are great men and women of God who enjoyed that presence of God. It's, told, it's, told, you know, it's written about Enoch, who enjoyed a close relationship with God throughout his life. And the Bible tells us, Enoch walked with God. Moses was another such person. Inside the tent of the meeting, of the meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a friend would speak to a friend. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? And with about David, it is written that God wanted a man who saw, he sought a man after his own heart, a man that God understood had a heart after him. Now, Jesus is our example. Jesus had unbroken communion with his father. How did he do this? How did he do this? He rose very early in the morning, it says, and he prayed and he communed with God. And re you remember the times when he asked the disciples, will you sit up and pray with me? You know, he's about to go to the cross. And they all fell asleep. But Jesus prayed through the night. He prayed. So he turned from the incessant demands and expectations of people, everybody around him, but he wanted to spend time with his father. And he wanted to make sure that Jesus' agenda lined up with what his father wanted him to do each day. 
That was how he communed with God. So do we suppose the Father desires that for you and for me? I think so. I think so. Paul in Romans 8 and verse 29 says, You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We have been predestined to learn from Jesus and to walk the walk and to emulate Jesus. Okay? Such a lifestyle is promised, but it's not guaranteed. Why? Because we have to pay a price. So the question is, are you prepared to pay the price? John, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you might have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John is writing, and he's telling his people, Look, I'm telling you what I've experienced. I have seen Jesus. I, I know him. I have walked with him. But now I also know that I have fellowship, not only with Jesus, but because of Jesus, I have fellowship with the Father. And so he's encouraging them. So only when we have spent time in God's presence, when we have seen and heard him, can we talk about Jesus in a way that compels others to listen. You know, it's not my head knowledge. It's not what I know what the Bible says or what I have read or, you know, how, how well I can speak. But it is my experience. It's my experience and how well I know him and how well I've experienced my life with Christ that I can then talk about him to somebody else. The, the disciples were at home in Jesus' presence when he lived on earth. But after the death, the resurrection, ascension, and Jesus was not with them anymore, Something happened that changed their lives. That was the day of Pentecost. When they, were, when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, it was then that that great commission that we, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think Dan spoke about that, became a reality in, the, in their lives. I have given you authority. And go. And he said, go, because my presence is with you always. So that becomes a reality. That becomes a reality because the Holy Spirit is with us. And for them it was because as long as Jesus was around, they were quite happy. You do the preaching, you do the healing, we'll do this, you do the other. We'll just tag along and we will just say how wonderful. And we are your disciples. How great, you know, we are in the club. But no, after he went and he, they were alone, something happened. Something happened. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has done that same thing for you and me today. That he has blessed us with the ability to receive from him the power of the Holy Spirit and go and speak and do and live as he wants us to live. So that our lives would reflect who he is and that we would be empowered to do what God wants us to do. Yeah. So there are words in your Bible with so much power in them that they are far better, far more effective than any therapy. God can illuminate a scripture that goes back into your past and heal your wounds. He can give you direction in the middle of despair and provide hope for the future. Take a promise from the Bible. Take a word from God. Surround it with your problem and make it a prayer. You know, whatever you're going through, read the scriptures and say, Lord, 
you healed such and such a person. Lord, you delivered such and such a person. Lord, you mended the broken heart. My heart is bleeding, Lord. Help me. You see my cry. You hear my pain. You see it. You see it. You see my pain. You hear me. You hear me. You know, just like Dan said, all I have is tears. All I have is a sigh. You see my countenance, God, and he does. You just, just sit there. You don't, have to, you don't have to say anything. Just sit in his presence. Sit in his presence. He understands you. He loves you far better than you could even imagine. So the man or woman who prays will never fail. He will never fail. He will never fail. So there is plenty of accounts in the Bible of the supernatural that, you know, we see. We see the supernatural in the Bible. But I just want to bring uh, one or two examples so that, you know, for the message and for that it will encourage us. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had, he had the apostle James killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much it pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. That's the key. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, chained between two soldiers with others standing guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was really happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate to the street. And this opened to them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally re realized what had happened. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. What a miracle. What a thing. We, what a thing. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. That's the key. He was asleep, chained between two soldiers with others standing guard at the prison gate. Just imagine, you are in his position, and you are chained. And what does Peter do? He sleeps. Is it possible? <laughs> Is it possible? You know how, you know how, you know, sometimes, you know, you have people, got to get a plane, and I can't sleep, because in case I, I fall, you know, oversleep, and then miss the plane, I can't sleep. I've got an exam, I can't sleep. Uh, you know, I have to get someplace, you know, I've got an interview, I can't sleep. You know, there are so many things that keeps, keep us awake, because, you know, we can't sleep. 
And here we also know today there are so many people that have everything that they want. You know, the riches that the world can give everything. But then they spend sleepless nights too. But here we have Peter chained between two guards and he is fast asleep. Is this possible at all? Is it possible at all? Suddenly, verse 7 says, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. What? There is something. What's going on? Now, he thinks he's in a vision. The angel taps him and says, get up quick. The chains fall off. The angel says, get dressed, put on your sandals. So Peter obeys. Then he says, put on your coat and follow me. All these instructions. There he goes. They pass the front gate, the first gate, the second gate, and then they come to iron gates, you know, chained, irons, chained. Nobody can open it except those who have you know, the keys to the padlock. And then this opens to them all by itself. Really? What? The gates are also opening? This is a miracle. This is a miracle. So finally, Peter realizes what has happened. It's really true. I'm out there on the street. This is really true. And that is the power of God. That is what happens when the church was praying. That is what happens when someone is praying. So don't worry about what is around you. When the church prays for you, maybe you're, you're praying for your children or you're praying for, a, for your spouse, for a family member, the chains of addiction, financial stress, problems, whatever the situation is that is against you, work issues, study issues, relationship issues, prayer is the key that opens the doors to the supernatural power of God. God will intervene when we pray. God will intervene when we pray. God never fails. God never fails. You know, we might want it done now. We want it done immediately. That is the biggest problem we have, is that we are not patient. We, are, we don't know how to, how, to, how to wait upon God. We don't know. We don't know. And, you know, we, you know, we don't even trust God in that sense because we want it our way. But don't, don't. I can tell you, God is a prayer answering God. And he has the best for you. It might not look like that for some of you now, but he's got you covered. He's got you in the palm of his hand because his love for you is greater than anything else. He called you. He chose you. He's called you by name. He knows you. So remember that. One other incident, we also, uh, one other similar thing that we also read in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 30. And it says... Um, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. You know, they had, there was a deliverance, a deliverance ministry. People were not happy. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So he took no chances, but put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, you know that suddenly, there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer awoke to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't do it, we're all here. Trembling with fear, 
The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Look at the miracle that happens here. Paul and Silas thrown into prison, put in the inner dungeon, their feet clamped in stocks. You know, what a terrible, terrible picture that is. You know, what hardship, what, what agony. You know, sometimes we face situations where we feel as though our feet are clamped. No change in my job. No change in my finances. The, you know, every situation, everything is wrong. Wherever I go, it seems, you know, I'm failing. You know, I'm fa facing all these things. What's going on? It may be sickness. It may be pain. It may be suffering. It may be a debt. You know, whatever it is, your feet, you, you feel you are shackled. And you don't know what to do. What should I do? What should you do? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer and prayer. Pray earnestly. Pray. Come into the presence of God. But you say, you know, what do you think? You know, what are you talking? Do you think I can pray while I'm going through all these things? You probably haven't been through what I'm going through. You don't understand my pain. You don't understand my suffering. You know, what, how can I come into the presence of God? You know, it might be that you have caused the pain. It might be that you have done something that now you feel so guilty. You feel so bad and you're condemned and people said it's all your fault. It's because of you. But... You say, I can't go. You know, I'm bad. But no, God says, come. Because this is what the enemy does. He does, he tells you, or, you know, he brings all these thoughts into your mind, all this junk, and you do not have an appetite for God's word. You don't want to pray. You just don't want to pray. Because that is what you believe. That is what's going But there is nothing that is going to stop you from coming into the presence of God. So what we need to pray is pray that all these obstacles, all these falsehood, all these things that you believe, all these things that you, you know, all these thoughts that come into your head and saying, I can't go into the presence of God. Pray, oh God, I can't pray. You know how my thoughts are. You know how bad I feel. Pray and say, God, please, you understand me. Please come, help me. Just say how you feel. Just be who you are at that time. Because God understands. You don't have to tell him. He knows it already. He knows it already. But God, help me to pray. Just, you know, I'm coming. And, you know, just as he said, I come and sit here. I have no words. I have no words. All I have is tears. All I have is pain. You know, my breath, you know, the, you know, I just sigh just in front of you, God. But that is a prayer. That is a prayer. That is a prayer to God. So when we praise the uh, God, when we sing as Paul and Silas did, they were, you know, the enemy flees. The enemy flees. Put on a praise music. Put on something. Put on a, a, a you know, good worship song that, you know, something that ministers to you. Just sit there. Just sit there. That's all you can do. You know, today we have phones where we can all access music. You know, that's something I'm doing these days in the, my, my time of worship in the morning. You know, I just choose. I know I have different praise songs. And I just sit there praising God and do that. Do that. And God will start ministering to you. God will start ministering to you. You know, Peter says in 1 Peter chap um, chapter 4 and verse 7, he encourages us, to, uh, encourages us to be earnest and disciplined in prayer. You know, we can all also be earnest, but we need to be disciplined. So we live in times that we need to pray more than ever. Don't you agree? You know, we, there is so much going on. 
but it is you and I who are going to stand in the gap for others. We stand in the gap for our family, for our friends, for our country, for our cities, for our neighborhood, for our churches, for those who do the ministry of the work of God. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap for servants of God. And today, can I tell you, there are people in this church who stand in the gap for you. You know, you're not forgotten. You're not ignored. We see you. We see you. We, we, you know, sometimes we don't know your name. But, you know, <laughs> but we pray for you. We pray for you. That is our heart, is that we pray for you. You can be rest assured. And if you have needs, come, tell us, come. We, we will pray with you. You know, it is available anytime. You come and talk to us. Talk to Carrie. You know, she'll put you in a slot, and we will pray. She will give us the request, and we will pray. And that is a promise before God, and there are people who do that. And I thank God for those people who partner and do that. And that is what we are called to do. Prayer is the key that will open every prison door. Prayer is the key that will bring the chains down of, of other people's lives because that is our God, and he will do that for you and for me. Amen? Amen. So, before Jeremiah rose to national promise, uh, prominence as a prophet, God told him two things. To Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. That is every one of us too, every one of you too. God knew you even before you were born, and you were even before you were thought of. And your parents didn't get the first look at you. God did. God did. Nothing about you or me surprises God. Nothing surprises God. In spite of what you have been through or you are going through, he hasn't changed his mind about who you are or what you are destined to become. Okay? He hasn't changed his mind. So there is a destiny upon each one of your lives. Remember, Talk to him and say, God, I don't understand my destiny, but I know this pain that I'm going through, this suffering I'm going through, what my family is going through, what someone else that I love is going through. God, you have a destiny. Help us to stand in the gap with them. Help us to uphold them. Help us to do this for them, Lord, because this is your promise. Because you know them. You knew them. You formed them. You have a purpose. You have a plan for them. God, help us to stand in the gap and uphold them. Okay? We are going to do that. We are going to do that. He hasn't changed his mind. So we read the word. We learn the scriptures. And we say, release the potential that is dormant in me. Lord, release the potential. Sometimes you don't see your potential. Somebody else will. And he will come to you and say, you know what? I believe God is going to do this for you. Accept it. And, you know, just wait upon God and say, God, this is what you say. If this is from you, let it be so. Let it be so, Lord. And secondly, what he told Jeremiah was, before you were born, I set you apart. So the other thing is we have to do is stop looking for acceptance where you don't belong. Don't look for acceptance where you don't belong because that's not where you are supposed to be. You are on a mission for God. That's why the enemy has tried so hard to distract you. Once you understand that, you will begin to make, make sense. Oh, this is what my struggle is all about. This is why I'm struggling so about because God has set you apart. There's something for you. There's something for you. Being in God's presence becomes a pleasure and a priority. 
once you do that. Now, as you study God's word, you begin to experience the mind-renewing, life-changing power he has deposited within you. You know, being in his presence, is, that is what it does. It, it, it transforms us. We understand our minds are being changed. We are being removed, uh, renewed, and life change happens. You know, people look at you and they realize you are growing. My God, you were not the person that you were before. And, you know, just recently we, uh, I was saying that about someone here in this church. You know, a change has happened. This, this girl is not the one she was before. There's something that has happened in her. There is a transformation that has taken place in her life. And that is what growth is about. And God is growing us. You know, the till, the till the day I die, I think, I, you know, we'll all be growing. We'll never arrive. We'll never arrive. But there is something that God is doing in us for each season of our lives. But now the biggest question is, how can I get there? Do you ask me that question? How can I get there? So it all starts with a decision. First, we decide, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read God's word. And I'm going to do that consistently, and I'm going to persevere in doing that. So it's not about how many big chapters you read or what you do, but if you sit with God's word and you start praying, you know, start, start small, and you sit there and you pray, you know, that's a start. And then you become, you know, that becomes a habit. That becomes a habit. And you then do it because, you, you know, that you have learned how to do it. And then we also come to a place of devotion. Devotion to God. Now, devotion is, you know, sometimes we say, I've done my devotion. In other words, you know, I've read all the chapters that I'm supposed to read. I've done this, I've done that. I've said my prayer or, I, you know, whatever I've done. My devotion's done. I get up and I go. Where's my coffee? Whatever. You know, you forget. But devotion is something greater than that. When you spend time with somebody, when you want to get to know them, you know, you just... Spend, you know, you talk to them, you understand them, you hear them, and you are devoted to them, you know, because you're listening to them, you're hearing them. And that is what God wants for us with him. Uh, it comes with like an affection, you know, it comes with love, because you want to spend time with that person, and that is devotion. And we come to that place of really being, uh, you know, just... So, you know, enjoying that time, enjoying that time, being in that presence of God, enjoying reading the word, enjoying praying, remembering, you know, who God brings to your mind, remembering situations, how God, how far he has brought you through, all these things that are happening in your life. And now then it becomes a desire. It's just such a desire that you long for that. You long for that. That's part of your thing. You know, you long for that desire. Yes, Lord, I desire to be there. And that is the beauty of it. It becomes a desire and it's, it's natural. It's natural spending time with God. So being in his presence becomes so natural. Bringing us to a place of peace is the end result. You might go through any storm. You might go through anything. But there is a deep peace in your heart because you know beyond a shadow of doubt that God is there that God is there. So that is why I think Peter was able to sleep. He was able to sleep, you know, chained up and everything. He was able to sleep. That is why Paul and Silas sang praises to God because they knew, they knew God is there. God is there with them. You know, we can be in chains, we can be in shackles, we can, anything can, you know, anything can happen to us, but God is there. And I'm going to sit with God. 
and they sat there and that is why you know i think they they were able to even with the feet clamped and chained they were in the presence of god so today i invite you i invite you to make this the most important part of your life to be in the presence of god and when you are in the presence of god your soul is enriched your soul is enriched you would be transformed you would be a new person that god will transform you in such a way that you understand your destiny you understand your destiny you see you know you didn't plan it this way but god starts using you you start praying for people you start doing things you know what is done in the secret and then comes out in the open because you have already established a pattern in that way and it becomes in the open and there god exalts you because in that place with god you learn to be humble you learn to be honest you learn to pour out everything that is in you to god and god ministers to you in return and the end result is beauty for ashes beauty for ashes and an oil of joy for those who are mourning so may i pray this prayer over you now to him who is able to to do immensely more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is within us may god take that power that is within you and help you understand how 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 valuable you are to him and that he has a purpose and that he has a destiny for each one of us and every shackle every chain every bondage every falsehood that has been dominating your life may that be loosened in the power and the might of Jesus name may you be set free to worship God and to dance before his throne in Jesus mighty name amen amen